Lucky number two. again and welcome our dear listeners to another episode of the library game an eclectically indecisive book club where we use a system to answer that terrible terrible question of what do i read next as a very very quick overview before i even tell you my name the library game is done by narrowing down your options within your chosen public library. So you go to your library and you count the number of rows of books and you pick a number. Then you count the number of sections in your chosen row. You pick one. You count the number of shelves on your section and you pick one. And lastly, you count the number of books and then you pick one. This is what we like to call our RSSB coordinates. Row, section, shelf book. And in this process, your guides, as always, I am Amy. I'm Lacey. And we're here to tell you about where these RSSB coordinates have led us today. Those coordinates are 34, 1, 2, and 5. And that led us to The Worms of Bleermouth by Stephen Erickson. And then it says, A Malazan Tale of Bacalane and Corbal brooch. And I have to say, I said this in the in the quick tease in the last episode. I'm so stinking excited for this book. <laughs> if I can go ahead to jumping into judging this book by the cover, Lacey, I am just dying to tell you why I'm so excited about this book. Okay, let's dive right into that. We're going to do the thing that you're never supposed to do. We're going to judge the book by its cover. And before Amy can tell me, Oh, I'm like champing at the bit here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. I have to okay. describe what the book looks like. <laughs> so it's a very, very dark cover. Everything is blacks and grays. And the author's name is actually the biggest thing on the cover. It's got this uh, like a knight's helmet and then this kind of scroll work metal that comes out from it at the very top, and then the title of the book is kind of down at the bottom. So in the picture, the background is this castle up on a huge cliff and just like a stormy ocean crashing against the cliff, right? At the very tippy top of the castle, there's like a light shining out of a spire. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know what that might mean. And then Mm -hmm. there's two dudes (laughs) in what looks like... I like almost like trench coats and they're standing in the ocean like they're in the water and I oh, swear yeah, to you sure. it looks like an old Lin-Manuel Miranda and Dave Bautista <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of like a way to describe these guys and I, <laughs> you know what it is okay this is gonna sound so mean and I'm sorry to anybody out there but this looks like two guys that vaguely resemble those two men that are cosplaying as something. <laughs> they do not look like they fit the scenery that they no. are standing in at no. all. And they look really serious, like they're trying to look really intimidating, standing knee deep in the ocean in a storm. 
Well, and again, looking like two dudes at like a third rate Comic Con <laughs> trying to pose as like super badass characters from a story. And again, I'm really sorry to anybody out there that goes to third rate Comic Cons and, you know, cosplays their <laughs> I mean, heart we, out. We've been to some, right? That's true. <laughs> But they're also doing that thing that like men do in pictures where they try to look serious. This is very much a thing that men in sports do where like they try to look serious, but what they end up looking is sad and it cracks me (laughs) up. You know what I'm talking about? Like a sports team posing or like guys senior pictures. And this is on my brain because I happen to have seen my older brother's senior picture in Mm -hmm. some of the ones that he had. He was doing the serious face, but it didn't come (laughs) off as serious. It came off as I'm sad inside. Like, I find that so funny because like, I don't know. Anyway, can I tell you why I'm so excited about this book now? One more thing I forgot to say. Okay. Worms is with a U. It's not worms oh. like an earthworm. Worms with a U. And not with a Y. I've seen worms with Y before. Yeah, because that's like dragons. I will say it's interesting that you almost have to like hunt for the title of this book. And it doesn't look yeah. like the title. It just looks, you know, like how you'll have a title and then you'll have the underscript, which this book has even, right? The title looks like a subscript and the subscript looks like an afterthought. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's kind of weird. So whatever's going on here must be, you know, they're relying on the author's name to sell the book more, I think, than the title. Yeah, when I picked it up, it looked to me like it was something in a series, but I can't see any indication yet, like on the spine or anything, that it's a book in a series. Yeah, no like number on the side. Yeah. But that Mazelon tail thing, that makes me think maybe it's like not a book in a series, but like a book in a world. And then we do have at the very top too, it does say New York Times bestselling author. So like they're really pushing like, hey, people like this author, give this book a chance. Okay. So the reason why I am so stupid excited about this, Lacey, is because I am convinced to my core that we are finally getting vampires on the podcast. Oh no. That is what I think this is. I like I <laughs> oh you have that sports analogy of people who are just like Rudy underdog against all the odds that's how I feel right now like I am rooting for vampires so this is what I think <laughs> <laughs> okay worms references the vampires so in this in the in the universe of this story worms spelled like that is a reference to vampiric people and Bleermouth is that terrible ominous castle in the background here right okay secondly a maslin tale i like your idea of this being set in a world rather than maybe necessarily being a series but i think it could be serial in the sense that like it is a collection of stories about Bacalian is how I'm going to say this name. Oh. So Bacalian is our old Lin-Manuel Miranda in the front here. <laughs> he is something like a Van Helsing in the sense that like he's kind of like a maybe not fully an anti-hero, but he's definitely like he's the main character. He has a lot of flaws. He's got a lot of darkness to him or like a Constantine, like he's redeeming himself in this mission. And Corball, whatever there, Brooch, Corball Brooch is his sidekick guys the guy in the background if you look really closely dave batista there in the background has slightly pointed ears what this tells me 
in my expertise. At least it looks to me like he has slightly pointed ears. He is some kind of like demonic hybrid or some kind <laughs> of like evil creature thing that has been taken under Bakelian's wing and he serves Bakelian because he is turning to the light. He's not going to be a, a slave to evil anymore, whether it's through his own desires or through some weird sense of like he owes Bakelian a life debt or something. But he's like a bad guy minion turned good guy minion in this quest. So he is the Sancho Panza to Bakelian's Don Quixote. <laughs> and they fight vampires. And I am so hoping that I'm right about this. I don't know if I'm hoping that you're right or not. I don't know. <laughs> Based on the picture and the just smattering of random made up words uh, in the title, I think that this is probably realistically going to be one of those I want to say like a high fantasy attempt that falls mm. short. But in terms of what I think the story is about, I have two options here. I can give you something that is really silly and not actually anything I think it's going to be about, but it might make you laugh. Or I can take a guess at what I actually think maybe is going to happen and be wrong in both accounts. Yeah. Take your guess first and then we can have the silly. Okay. So my guess is that it's something like these two are out in the ocean because they're attempting to break into the castle. So it's almost like a fantasy version of like a heist, like a classic heist story. Ah, okay. Okay. And so the shiny thing up in the tower is like whatever it is that they're trying to get in there and steal. But these two dudes are like shady fellows who've been either hired or, you know, have some sort of underground ring you know that has put them up to being the ones who can break into the the unbreakable castle at sea to steal okay. whatever this thing is that's all i got for that um my silly version is that this is a human version of the last unicorn where someone has driven these poor souls into the ocean to to live their lives where the person in the castle maybe it's a bull in the castle can watch them in the waves for eternity I hate that movie, by the way. I hate that movie. <laughs> I feel like that movie comes up in our lives more often than it has any right to. I mean, that's that's definitely because of me, because that was well, the most traumatic movie of my childhood. <laughs> so are you ready to oh, learn so re what it actually is about? Yeah. Yeah, let's okay, go. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Tyranny comes in many guises, and tyrants thrive in palaces and one-room hovels, in back alleys and playgrounds. Tyrants abound on the verges of civilization, where disorder frays the rule of civil conduct and propriety surrenders to brutal imposition. Millions are made to kneel, and yet more millions die horrible deaths in a welter of suffering and misery. So we're definitely getting the dark, black, sad yeah. vibes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like, how many words can I use to describe how dark and black and sad and dystopian but, this fantasy world? Okay. But leave all that behind and <gasps> plunge into escapist fantasy of the most irrelevant kind. In the ragged wake of the tale told in Lees of Laughter's End, those most civil adventurers 
Bacalane and Corbal Brooch, along with their suitably phlegmatic manservant, Emancipor Reese, make gentle <laughs> landing upon a peaceful beach beneath a quaint village at the foot of a majestic castle. There, they make acquaintance with the soft-hearted and generous folk of Spendrugal, which lies at the mouth of the Blear River and falls under the benign rule of the Lord of Worms in his lovely keep. Make welcome, then, to Spendrugal's memorable residence, including the man who should have stayed dead, the woman whose prayers should never <laughs> have been answered, the tax collector everyone ignores, the ex-husband town militiaman who never married, the beachcomber who lives in his own beard... <laughs> What? The now singular lizard cat who used to be plural, and the girl who likes to pee in your lap. And of I'm course, sorry. <laughs> hovering over all, the denizen of the castle keep. Lord, ah, but there lies this tale. What is happening? That's it. What is happening? <laughs> what? <laughs> That was the plot twist of the century. That was literally the best way to like tell me, Amy, you're wrong. <laughs> but don't worry. Here's the thing. Like, you know, we, we talked in the last episode about, oh, man, I really liked my idea for the story. And I kind of wish that was a thing. I was so sure that like because I got so excited about the idea of vampires for this that I was going to be disappointed no matter what by like what the story is. And that was the best possible way to be like, oh, no, 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 Amy. Here's an absolutely bonkers way to delight you. <laughs> Half the time that you were reading that, Lacey, you know what it sounded like to me? Twas the brillig and the slithy toves to gyre and gimble in the wave. It sounded like that nonsense jabberwocky bump. I was like, what? Again, like these made up words, right? Half the time I was like, I've completely lost what you were talking about. I, I am so completely, I don't even know what to expect. That was, yeah. that was so beyond what I was thinking it was going to say. <laughs> like it started out in the first paragraph. I'm like, yep, there we go. Yeah. That's what it's about. Tyrants and suffering and misery and death. Yeah. Nope. But. Chicks pissing in your lap, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of like irreverent RPG games, like A Bard's Tale. Did you ever play that one? I did not, but I kind of knew about it. Or like Fable. Fable's kind of that way. Well, A Bard's Tale was a, a step further than Fable, I would feel like. Yeah. Well, I'm now way more excited. Like, looking at the cover of this book, I was dreading it because I just thought it was going to be so try-hard and cheesy. Yeah. But now I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> well, and especially coming off of, like, a couple of kind of absurdist comedy, one that fell short, particularly for you, one that you liked even more than I did. We're kind of ping-ponging around these kind of ideas, and I'm interested to see how this one goes, because if it is as bonkers as that feels, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting, I feel like. So do you want to go ahead and just dive in and start reading? Might as well. Woo! Well, um, we, we read the book. Uh... Did I ever tell you the story about when I made my kid ride the dinosaur ride at Animal Kingdom? No. Have you done that ride? The dinosaur ride? Yeah, it's called Dinosaur. I don't think so. Was it in like the kids section of Animal Kingdom? Yeah. So uh, we were at Disney World and my kid's very nervous. Doesn't like to try new stuff, but usually enjoys it when she does. So 
I convinced her that we should go on this dinosaur ride because I looked it up and I was like, it's just one of those where you get in the car and it drives you around and there's like dinosaurs around. <laughs> and she was nervous because she was like, it's going to be scary. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. It's really not scary. It's in the kids section. It's fine. So we go in, we wait in line. She's kind of like, I don't want to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 it'll be good. And then we get on and it's immediately terrifying. Really loud really scary. The cars like throw you around. And I, there might've even been like fire at some point. And she was so mad at me because I told her it was going to be fine and it wasn't. And that's how this book made me feel when we read that intro and it was like, it's all sunshine and birds and rainbows. And it's not, it's the exact thing that it said it wasn't. I, I mean, I texted you as soon as I finished the book, and it was just like, well, dot, 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 I read it. <laughs> I don't, this book is weird, <laughs> and I don't know how else to explain it. And there's a part of me that very much enjoyed some parts of this, and then there's other parts of this that I absolutely did not enjoy at all. And I guess we should probably just kind of get into it, right? Holy hell, though, Lacey, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. So we start our journey on a cliffside. Yeah. Actually, the very beginning of this, I was pretty excited because it starts with behold. That's the first word of the thing is behold. We have our leader of the castle keep, Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render. Strong name. The Render is meaningless. We find out. Um, and he's speaking to his scribe, Coingood, mm -hmm. who is intended to write down all of his great actions and, and all of the really powerful words that he uses. But really, all he ever said is, behold. Yeah. And the scribe is just sort of frantically trying to figure out what he's supposed to write um, and is pretty much abused for not making Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render sound better i'm just gonna read word for word the first little paragraph of this because it just <laughs> so it goes behold arms spread wide and braced against the wind lord fangatooth claw the render paused and glanced back at scribe coingood see how this bold perch incites me to declamation scribe his narrow hawkish features darkened why are you not writing and then it just goes into like a page and a half of them going back and forth about you need to write, you need to do this or whatever. It gives a little bit of backstory for Fangatooth that straight up does not matter. And then a page and a half later, he says, tell me what did I say? I've forgotten. Read it back, damn you. <laughs> he says, M Master, you said, behold. <laughs> Is that it? Didn't I say anything more? <laughs> like, so this whole interaction between Fangatooth and Coingood I really liked it because it was just so absolutely silly that I had myself chuckling from the first page. But it is silly. Yeah. So after that, our title characters, Boshlen <laughs> and Corbal Brooch and their manservant, Emancipor Reese, stumble up out of the frigid ocean onto the beach. Yeah, survivors of a shipwreck. And I have to say that I'm very sad that I couldn't find an audiobook for this because I have no idea how to pronounce half the names in this book. So we're going to get that out of the way right now. We don't know how to say these yeah. names correctly. <laughs> I'm also probably going to call some people by the wrong names because 
since the names are all weird, they all blended together yeah. for me. Yeah, same. And I kind of forgot who was who. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they stumble up onto the beach, and I think they're met there by Wufine, right? Yeah. The beachcomber scavenger guy, who, if you remember from the intro synopsis, is the guy who lives inside his own beard. Gross. Which is, he's insulated his hut with his beard trimmings. Yeah. It's disgusting. Every time he cuts his beard, he just shoves it into the walls and in th- under the floorboards. <laughs> like a kid hiding trash in their room so they don't have to clean it up. I mean, I think he's actually pretty proud of his little hut. He is, actually, yeah. Anyway, so they uh, already demonstrate some of their magic abilities. Oh, and uh, Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render. I- I'm just going to say the whole thing every time, I think. Uh- <laughs> Uh, also fancies himself as a sorcerer, but he is a bad one. Mm. Not very good at being a sorcerer. But not if you heard him say it. He's masterful, absolutely right. diabolical, and a uh, great with a turn of phrase, according to him. <laughs> so, so our intrepid heroes, eh, they head up into town. And in town is where we meet the whole other cast of characters, townspeople that from the summary, we were led to believe our welcoming, loving townsfolk. <laughs> Lies. Lies. <laughs> I think the first ones we meet are Spilgit, who's the tax collector, mm-hmm. and Faluval? Felittle. No, Felittle. Felittle. Who's the one who pees when she gets excited? Oh, my God. Okay, so that that right there. <laughs> so, okay. Ew. So there, Spilgit and Felittle are in his tiny little tax collector office. And he has a thing for, he basically just wants to to screw her. And he like coaxes her into his lap and she's like criminally dumb. And <laughs> what is it in King of the Hill where Hank Hill is like, that boy ain't right? It's like that, <laughs> but with her. And she's powerful dumb and just. I kind of like that. Powerful dumb. Yeah. She does this like tee hee ha ha ha. Oh, 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 I peed. Ha <laughs> ha. And it's disgusting. <laughs> and I think she thinks it's sexy or something. I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. I don't understand why it was included. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I don't know. But they see that there's a shipwreck. So they go down to the beach, meet the three heroes or whatever. And then like they tell them, like, here, we'll take you up to the inn. And then from there, you can go up to the castle. Because apparently this town has a policy, a law that was set by Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render, that all (laughs) strangers are illegal. And so every new person that has come to the town has been hung and killed. And that's what they tell them. They're like, you know, I'll take you up there. You're gonna get hung. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> the Lord's hospitality and all that. Oh, you know what? Corball isn't with them. Corball has already gotten up from the beach and he's already walked up to town because he's got two bodies in tow. And Corball meets. Oh, yeah. He's dragging along behind him like a teddy bear. Dead bodies. Yeah, two bodies. That he found on the beach. And he comes up against a golem that Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render has created as part of his like protection for the town and he breaks the golem and that upsets Hordilo Stink Stink who is like the sheriff of the town and so then yeah Hordilo is is having a conversation are they at the inn it doesn't matter Lacey it doesn't matter okay. <laughs> like- so Hordilo is sitting talking with Ackle 
who Ackle the Risen. Ackle the Risen, who is someone who was thought to be dead, was buried, but then was not dead. And so it's not clear to me if he's actually undead or if he just they thought he was dead and buried him, but then he was still alive. Yeah. But they make comments that like he smells really bad. <laughs> When he sits next to a fire, the front of him will warm up, but his back will be ice cold. They mention <laughs> his cold, dead eyes. Yeah, so he was, I believe, a newcomer to the town, and so was found guilty and hung. And then, yeah, they buried him, but the ground was still soft enough that he was able to dig himself back up, like Kill Bill style, claw his way <laughs> back up out of the earth. Anyway, so he's there. He's He's a character. He's important because he claims that he's got some uh, treasure chest, treasure buried. Yeah. Yes. And nobody believes him, but he's he's like, it's there. Yeah. He's just looking for a it. partner to come get it with yeah. me and we can go. And um, and then Hordilo is the guy from the intro who I think he was in the intro was definitely not ever married, never married, but also really bitter about being divorced. Yeah. About his ex-wife leaving him. Yeah. But he was definitely <laughs> never married. Mm-mm, no. So the Bauchelon and Corball, Bobby B. I want to call him Bobby B. What do we call him? B-Dog? B-Dog, Corball, and Mancy Reese get told they're going to go up to the keep to meet the Lord. And B-Dog and Corball are all for it. They're like, yeah, sure. Let's go see this quote unquote sorcerer. Reese gets left at the end for a little bit where he is propositioned by the innkeeper Feluvel who is Philittle's mom. Philuvel also runs a brothel upstairs of the inn, so that that's a whole thing. Oh, Philittle wants to be one of the whores. Uh, her mom doesn't want her to be. <laughs> that's all she wants, though. She, she wants to do that. She wants to have lots of men that come to her. And God, I hate that She character. just thinks it sounds nice. I absolutely despise her. She's revolting in my eyes. And so while Reese stays back, he gets very, very, very drunk and witnesses Faluval's ample bosoms. Is that how we want to say this? Yeah. So Faluval is voluptuous yeah. and proud of that. Yeah. Um, and she seduces him. He's very game for it. And so she brings him up to her room and she locks the door and then she exposes her breasts, which happen. To have mouths for nipples. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, as you do. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay, so here's the thing. At that <laughs> point in the story, I thought that she had them tattooed onto her nipples. <laughs> because there's talk about this, like, fertility idol that had been found on the beach, shipwrecked and everything. And later on, you find out that Woofing, the beachcomber guy, runs a racket, basically. Like, he'll take things and he'll bury them in the sand and pee on them for, like, a year <laughs> to make them look old and weathered. And then he'll go sell them places. <laughs> and there's this whole, like, there's this little bit about how, like, he found this statue. He was messing with it to make it look older and stuff. And he nicked a nipple <laughs> on the statue. <laughs> And so then he did it to the other one, and he was like, well, now that looks kind of like mouths. And so, like, he, he kind of fiddled with it more until it looked like this fertility goddess statue that had jaws for nipples. <laughs> and then sold it, and then people were all like, oh, it's this goddess thing. 
So anyway, at this point in the story, I was convinced that she had mouths tattooed on her nipples because of like, oh, what a rad ass goddess. I want to emulate that, you know. And he was just so drunk that he thought they were real. (laughs) That's how I interpreted the scene. And then he gets really freaked out. There's some commotion happens. I think Faluval hears that Spilgit, the tax collector, is with her daughter in her daughter's room. And so she gets all pissy about it because she definitely, of all the people, she definitely doesn't want Spilgit to get with her daughter. So Spilgit has snuck up into Falittle's room. And they're they're talking about like running away, running away together. Yeah. Falittle has a, a lizard cat, which is a thing. I was like, oh, this is cool. And the wizard cat has a point. Of, wizard cat, lizard cat has a point of view. <laughs> yeah. So she has this cat, and he hates the cat. Yeah, hates it. And she's like, I'm gonna bring the cat. And he's like, the hell you are. And so then we get to see the cat's point of view, and the cat is just pure rage. Yeah. <laughs> it loves Falittle. Yeah. And hates everyone and everything else. Yeah. And it's just like fantasizing about murdering Spilgit. Spends the whole time just like, I would rip you apart. Yeah. <laughs> well, and there's like this weird bit where the lizard cat is trying to lock on to memories that are slipping away. And it's something along the lines of, there were more of me and we slinked across wasted bodies. It's so comical because if you think about a scene where it's like, oh, all these happy people and all this stuff, like you mentioned earlier, like, oh, sunshine, rainbows, blah, blah, blah. And then you cut to the baby and the baby's inner world is, I am Satan, it is death. And <laughs> like heavy metal starts playing in the background, everything gets dark. It really is that stark and that just comically evil, I guess you could say. I kind of feel like the lizard cat is my favorite. I knew it would be. As soon as I read that, I was like, Amy's going to like the cat. (laughs) I also liked the cat. So it builds up that the cat is just like hating, hating, hating. And then it eventually attacks Spilgit. And he slams it into the wall. Yeah, he punches it or redirects it or grabs it and throws it. I mean, and maybe even through the wall? Yeah, it goes through the wall because its head like hangs through the wall into the mom's room, like tongue hanging out. This is what breaks up the assault that's (laughs) happening in the other room with the mouth boobs. Yes. Yeah, so she goes after, she's, Faluval is screaming that she's going to kill Spilgit, and then the cat kind of wakes up from being kind of knocked out or knocked silly from going through the wall and the cat goes on a rampage through the inn mm-hmm. and scratches up a bunch of people and runs away. Uh, the timelines I feel like I'm, I have a little bit confused in my head but at some point another group of people wash up on shore from the shipwreck. Yeah, as B-Dog, Corball, and now Mansi running after them because Mansi tries to run away from the inn right as Hordillo who took B-Dog and Corval up to the castle. <laughs> he comes back to get Mansapor Reese and they run into each other at the end door like as all this chaos is happening. And so then they turn around and go back up to the castle. Meanwhile, on the beach. This is Birds. Uh-huh. Birds, Heck, and Gust. They're after the loot that was on the ship that sank. Mm-hmm. They find out that B-Dog and company are here and they decide they're going to go demand their loot. So they head up into town. We find, like, greets all of these people as they arrive, right? He just sees it as more loot for him. He's out picking stuff off the bodies. Yeah. So as long as nobody's taking his scavengings, he's fine with them being there. So they head up. They go to the inn. And uh, 
Birds meets up with Hordilo, right? Yes. Hordilo decides he needs to question one of them. And looking at the three of them, you have Gust, who is all bandaged up, has a lot of wounds. Heck, I don't know if there's anything particularly standout-ish about him, but Birds is naked from the waist up or something. She <laughs> at least one of her boobs is hanging out and all the guys are immediately <laughs> notice that. And so looking at the three of them, he says, all right, go up to the keep. The Lord's going to want to see you, but not you. I'm going to question you, he says to birds. And then, yeah, they sit down and... Something funny about Hordilo is he thinks that he's very attractive and he's not. Mm -hmm. So he's actually described as like the ugly constable. Yes. <laughs> but he has this conversation with birds where he's very upset with her because he's attracted to her. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's saying stuff to her like, I know what you women think. I know what you think when you see me. You just see <laughs> you just see that meat that you want to <laughs> He accuses her of what's the meme that men only want one thing and it's disgusting, but he yeah. he does it the other way. Where he, all you women are the same. All you want to It's a good thing I've never been married. <laughs> but they flirt, whatever. Then they go upstairs and have sex. And apparently it's mediocre. She she doesn't seem to care too much for it. But then she sees other people coming into town and demands, oh, let's run away together. Our next group of people are siblings. Well, there's another group in here, but maybe they completely bypass the inn because it's Sorted, Bisque, and Wormlick are another trio, which I got constantly confused with Birds, Heck, and Gust. But they're similar. I think Birds, Heck, and Gust are the ones that are scared of Sorted. Boobaloo and Johnny. I don't know. Sorted bisque and wormlick. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a terrible menu item? It sounds like the things from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, like the three little <laughs> gremlin things. See, I, I keep reading bisque and think of like lobster bisque. It's not spelled the same <laughs> way, but so I hear sorted bisque wormlick sounds like the worst food item name that you could think of. Yeah, it doesn't sound appealing. But I think they're the ones that are slightly scarier than these ones who are more like piratey. Yeah, they scavengers. they certainly sorted Bisque and Wormlick are a little more military because Bisque calls himself, I think, the corporal or something like that. Sorted okay. wants to be the leader, and I think later on she says, I'm the captain now, or something like that. And Wormlick <laughs> is <at> me. <laughs> just gross. He's covered in ringworm. Ew. Okay, and so then we have our last group of people, which are the ones that I think are siblings. Their names are all some version of being small, which they're not. Yeah, they're huge. So it's like Tiny, Midge, Puny. I think it's Tiny and his nine siblings. <laughs> On our little cheat sheet here, I all I wrote was Tiny and his many siblings, because Tiny is the only one that really does any interacting. So they show up and they're like, first they're going to kill Wufine. Yeah. And then Wufine busts out turns out he's like a powerful sorcerer guy and he busts their asses yeah so tiny tells two of his siblings to stay behind he says we're gonna just kill everybody here you two go kill that old man bring me his hat yeah so those two go to kill wufine and wufine his walking stick turns into a big ass sword or a spear or something on our little character cheat sheet here for wufine i wrote beachcomber Dot, dot, dot. A god? Question mark? 
That's what I thought. Yeah. That's what I thought. Because his walking stick magically transforms into this weapon that absolutely, it's like a lightning effect or something. One shots, definitely one shots these two guys. And he says something along the lines of like, you done did it. You had gone and got me nostalgic. Yeah. And what he gives hints about, oh, it's not, you wouldn't like me when I'm nostalgic. Because yeah. he's remembering times when I guess he was, if he's a god, maybe when he was like a, a vengeful guy. Yeah, I don't know. And he destroyed things. Yeah, I don't. I have absolutely. It was no very idea. strange. But he's definitely, if he's not a god, he's like a, a demigod at least. Yeah. yeah. And so then after that, I think later on we get a, a scene of him just chilling in his cabin, and that's where you see like he's very proud of all his trinkets. And then again, he's just shouldn't have gotten me nostalgic. And then I think he goes <laughs> up to the inn or something. Yeah, so Tiny and his many siblings are on the warpath, and they've decided what we're going to do is we're just going to kill everyone so that we can get the treasure from the ship. And they head up to the inn as well, and they're kind of like, woman, make us food. And Faluval's like, sit down and act like a proper gentleman. (laughs) She tries to kind of school him, and he threatens her, and she's like, where else are you going to get alcohol in town where else are you gonna get food be nice to me yeah he says we're gonna kill you and she says before i serve you and they go (laughs) okay serve us first then we're gonna kill you so as all this stuff is going on the lizard cat does it go back down to the beach the lizard cat has run off because of everything that had happened and then woof catches the lizard cat he gets it in this like cage And he's dragging the cage over to the cliffside. And he's telling this whole story like, I've hunted you all down. You're the last one. All your siblings are down there on the rocks. You had a good run of it. But he then says something along the lines of like, they went and got me all nostalgic. So now, you know, we just got to do this. (laughs) And so he pushes the cage off of the cliff. But then when he looks down, he sees that the cage is open and he sees movement. And he goes, ah damn so the cat survives goes into like the sea cave and it's there amongst all the bones and stuff of its siblings and the cat symbols i think like a symbol but it's (laughs) symbols and turns into a woman and it's a witch and she apparently her name is hurl and she used to live in the castle before the brother of lord fangatooth claw the render took the castle (laughs) and then lord fangatooth claw the render took the castle from his brother so then she does like a witch cackle and is i'm gonna go kill everybody and take my castle back and so then we have a scene change again through all of this there's a few scenes up at the castle where b-dog is engaging in verbal sparring and winning incredibly against lord fangatooth claw the render and lord fangatooth claw the render tries to poison them at dinner and b-dog just laughs it off and says like oh i knew you were gonna do that we've all inoculated ourselves to poison a long time ago and emancipor reese is sitting at the other end of the table and goes I'm not inoculated to all these poisons. <laughs> and then P-Dog's like, sure you are, buddy. I've been lacing your pipe weed for ages. <laughs> and the guy looks at his pipe and is all perturbed. Emancipor Reese and Coingood, the scribe, have a good little aside conversation at some point in here, too, where Reese is just like, well, you know, we're just servants. And Coingood's like, yes, 
yes, exactly. We're not bad people. We're just trying to survive because he's <laughs> hanging out with Lord Fangatoothclaw the Render who loves to torture people and hang people. And He's got his brother and then another dude down in the dungeon and he likes to just go down there and torture him and come up with new ways to torture him. Yeah, at one point I think Coingood mentions that he hadn't even gotten to the fingernails. Maybe he could try that or something. Yeah, so that's all going on. Witch Hurl gets into town and then disassembles again yeah. back into the cats. Into many cats at this point because she has right. collected up the bones. Oh, and she ate a couple of tiny siblings, I think. Oh, yeah, she ate parts of the dead bodies that she found on the beach. Yeah, to get her strength back up. Buff up? I don't know. <laughs> it's really interesting because one is dead and like dead dead, but she has a conversation with it while she's eating like his thigh or something. Yeah. <laughs> the dead guy is, says something along the lines of like, oh, you're eating my thigh. Okay, well, I guess maybe I don't need that anymore or something along those lines. And she says something about like, doesn't she put him back off into the surf or something? Uh, I think she eats a good chunk of him and it like kicks his head into the water. I think he says thanks at the yeah, end. Thanks. I'll swim back home or something <laughs> like that. It's bizarre. <laughs> Uh, oh my god. Oh, before Witch Earl makes it back into town, she does run into Spilgit and Ackle, who have gone on their own little caper to dig up the treasure that Ackle says he has hidden. And there's this whole weird thing with the gravedigger where it's kind of like a who's on first situation where he's asking yes. for his shovel. Yeah, and he gets into this, you know, well, if I loan you my shovel, then you're taking away my wages. And then there's this like, but I'll tax you on it, but I won't tax you. And, you know, well, I'm renting the shovel from this guy. So should you be taxing him or, you know, at the end of it, he just is like, I only have one shovel. You can't take my only shovel. Now I'm unemployed. Now you can't tax me. And finally, he just storms out and there's two shovels against the wall. So he takes both of them. <laughs> he just takes them. <laughs> It's a very silly back and forth for sure. They run into Witch Hurl and they hit her with the shovel. So yes. I think Ackle gets knocked down, but he's okay. And then Spilgit hits her with the shovel and then she just kind of goes past. Yeah. She's at the inn and she's just wreaking havoc at the inn. You're forgetting the, the absolute best part, which is she disassembles oh. back into, I think, nine cats, nine lizard cats. And she's like, okay, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to kill them. And she gets to the door and she can't get through the door because she doesn't have <laughs> thumbs. And so she's outside the inn wailing and in a rage, like, I'm going to kill you all. If only I could get through the damn door. And she's like running into it, scratching it, screeching, so pissed off. Just again, this like absolute ball of rage. I'm so angry, but I can't do anything. And then I think Tiny busts the door open and she jumps on some of them or something as like Tiny and them are about to leave to go storm the castle. She jumps and attacks several of them and the people in the end. It's the absolute fiery rage because she can't open a door. <laughs> that, that got me. That absolutely killed me. I think Tiny actually ends up killing Witch Hurl. I think so. I think after all that, I think she tries to jump on him as he opens the door and he just smashes her. It's it's a very abrupt nothing comes of it ending, which again feeds in with the crazy rage and everything. But yeah, so Tiny and them go to go fight up at the castle. 
and they come across a sentry guard who is two people sewn together at the back, and we find out that Corball made this weird guard that no one can sneak up on because it's two guys sewn back to back. So it's the two bodies that Corball had drug up from the beach that he was <laughs> like through the whole book as they go up to the end and go to the castle and everything. He keeps referring back to the bodies because super cold outside. And he thinks like, well, I can't bring the bodies inside. They'll keep out here, right? They'll be okay outside. They'll freeze. It's very much like my bodies. Like these are mine. Don't take them away from yeah. me. Like a kid with their toys. <laughs> Like, that's my car. All of Corball's lines are, he's annoying me. Why is he asking me questions? What happened? Where are my bodies? Should I go put them up now? Can I go check on my bodies, please? Why is he talking to me? That's very annoying. And that's all of Corball's character. <laughs> oh, and he likes icing. We know that. Ah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so the whole book kind of culminates with all these groups having come up to the castle and everybody kind of wants their piece of the action i'm not really sure how it all works out but tiny and them have come to fight i do know that lord fangatooth claw the render has decided that because his poisoning didn't work he's gonna find some other clever or masterful way basically to kill b-dog b-dog asks if he can use the kitchen to bake because he wants to bake cookies <laughs> so he goes and bakes cookies <laughs> and then sorted bisque and wormlick show up and demand the treasure. And so it really kind of comes down to like Tiny and his siblings, Sorted Bisque, Wormlick, Birds, Heck and Gus. Jeez, what a what a cast. Uh, all are kind of told like, hey, you, you guys go figure it out. We don't we don't care. And so they they don't matter is the whole thing. Like by the end of it, none of them really matter. It is pretty interesting that when Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render comes back into the dining hall or the great hall or whatever he says ha 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 i've locked down the castle you can't get away if you try to leave this room you'll die it's you and me we're gonna fight each other scribe write this down you know all this stuff note how i'm standing menacingly and whatever and b-dog keeps saying would you like a cookie here look they're not poisoned i'll eat it and lord fangatooth claw the render see now i feel like i've done that bit more than you have for sure <laughs> he says, well, I've inoculated myself to all poisons as well. And B-Dog says, "I, it's not here. It, there's no poison in this cookie. So he hands the cookie over and Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render eats the cookie. And then a demon busts out of his body and <laughs> <laughs> kills him and turns around and looks at B-Dog and B-Dog's like, Yep, your service to me is done. You are free to go back to whatever horrible hell pit you came from. And he explains, yeah, that's one of the demons that I have bound to my service with the seal. And then he shows the cookies have like a symbol etched into their top. And he says, they can only be released if one of these seals is ever broken by anybody but me. And so that's the whole point of him, like, showing the cookies and I'm going to eat the cookie. And yeah. Because Emancipor Reese smoked the wrong weed out of his pipe or something. and was a little too high during all of this. And he really wanted a cookie. <laughs> and B-Dog keeps slapping his hand away from the cookies. Is it Emancipor or Corball who's just licking all the frosting Corball off? licks the icing off of one of them. And then he hears that there's icing in a bowl in the kitchen. So he goes to the kitchen to get the bowl of <laughs> icing. And 
B-Dog takes the cookie that he licked the icing off of and put it in his pocket. And Emancipore keeps reaching for cookies. And B-Dog keeps, like, moving the plate away or, like, slapping his (laughs) hand away. And then finally, after the demon is revealed and dismissed and all of that, he explains that that's what happened. And and then... That's that's kind of it, isn't it? Don't they all just, like, go off into the wild blue yonder? (laughs) They go down into the dungeon. They free the brother that had been down there and being tortured. And they're like, well, you can have your castle back. We're going to go. Ackle and Spilgit find the treasure chest. And Spilgit realizes that it is the tax earnings from some town. And Ackle hits him over the head with the shovel and kills him. So now Ackle has a treasure chest. Oh, B-Dog, Corball, and Emancipore, they get a carriage and they leave. And then B-Dog reveals that, ha ha ha, we had the treasure the whole time. And it's in the <laughs> in the carriage with them. And we're going to go off on more adventures. And I know Wolfing and Feluval have like a little talk in the end. And that's when I realized that the jaws for nipples were real. <laughs> and not tattoos that the inebriated guy thought were real. So next to her name, I have innkeeper slash pimp. And then it says dot, 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 a goddess question mark. Because (laughs) the cat attacks her again or something. And she says something along the lines of, you idiot, I'm the goddess that you worship. And like throws one of the cats against a wall or something. So all I can think is that this must tie back into the subscript of the title which says a malazan tale of b-dog and corball so and if you look at like the insight cover it mentions a lot of these other books that the author has written and it's the malazan world i suppose so maybe there's a book about the woofing character in his days of nostalgia or something i don't know so i did do some googling after i finished the book. okay okay tell me So this author has an entire series of books in the Malazan Empire. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but like that is a whole series. There's also Malazan Book of the Fallen. Mm -hmm. This is a whole world that he's built. And then there's these tales of B-Dog and Corball, which are uh, in the same universe. And I made a comment off mic last time that I was like, this almost feels like a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead situation where like we are following the story of a minor character Ah. from a bigger story. So if you're not familiar with that, they are minor characters in Hamlet, I think. And they in Hamlet go off and are like never heard from again in the play. Yeah, they're meant to go tell another king that Hamlet is dead. There's another play called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. And it's sort of like a like a comedy of what happened to these two side characters that just disappeared. So I made a comment that this felt kind of like that. And it turns out it kind of is that Hmm. like these characters make minor appearances in those books, but then they have this whole thing separate. And on top of that, the author uses these as almost like a palate cleanser when he needs a break from his serious books. He will go write one of these for like, just for funsies. Okay. And I don't know if it's all of the Malazan stuff or these specifically. I actually think it might be the whole thing. Uh-huh. Started out as the backdrop story for his role-playing game. What? <laughs> okay, so. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, that's so funny. 
Now I want to know what his role-playing game is. It's not like one that he wrote, but like his game that he plays with his friends. Yeah. His party. Okay, that honestly makes so much sense because in a lot of ways, this makes me think of some of the games that I have played. I have a few tabletop RPG games that I play with some friend groups and... You know, it's fantasy setting and it's knights and dragons and, you know, all this stuff. And then it's people making pop culture references like as you play the game and and things like that. So it definitely has that weird, like silly, irreverent vibe in a fantasy setting that makes all of this nonsense somehow make so much more sense to me. It was the backdrop in the 80s to their GURPS role-playing campaign. I don't know what GURPS is. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to I'll have to look that up. That's so funny. But I thought before I had read that, I had a note, one of my few notes on this book was this feels like this is what's happening in NPCs' heads during a role-playing game. So <laughs> like you've got B Dog and Corball are your playable characters and then all these other people are the NPCs and all this crazy shit is happening. Just because they showed up in town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have the comically evil overlord in the castle. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Did you have any favorite quote? So I only wrote down one quote, and it's going to be a very, <laughs> this is a weird transition because all of our story of this book up to this point has been how ridiculous, like, kind of silly and gross and bizarre. But this quote, I would think it was Spilgit. There's a point where he has just this very serious descent and like almost a descent into nihilism like nothing matters so it's a really serious quote and i think he says it but here's what it is i thought religion was invented by the arbitrary hierarchy obsessed with control and power to justify their elite eminence over their enslaved subjects i was like wow i was not expecting something that well so i'm deeply thought provoking from this book i think that quote actually comes from ackle Oh, is it? Yeah, because here's the thing. One of the first quotes that I have is that conversation between Spilgit and Ackle. Okay. So I got confused which one said what. Yeah. The, the part that I highlighted was literally where you started is at the end of a page. So it's cut off in the picture <laughs> that I took. So the quote I have here is, rubbish. We sell you that shit so we can get away with whatever we damn well please. Oh, I'll get mine in the end, utter cat turd ackle. Who do you think invented religion? Tax collectors. <laughs> I love that we picked the same, like, not even really part of the story <laughs> piece. But I, I absolutely love that. Who do you think invented religion? Tax collectors. <laughs> I mean, religion is, they're, they're kind of like the original tax collectors, huh? Yeah, they just called it tithes. <laughs> and then, fair warning, there's a lot of F-bombs in this. <laughs> Dying was a way to tell the world to just fuck off. Go fuck yourself, you fucking fucks. Fuck off and fuck off forever. And if you don't know what fucking forever is, take a look at us, you fuckers. We're fucking forever and we don't give a fuck about any of you. So just fuck, fuck, fuck off. I think it might, that might be Ackle that says that too. Ackle seems to wax philosophical a couple times in the book. And I guess if you're dead, you know. And then I also have my favorite actual just straight quote, aside from behold, also comes from Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render, which is when he decides that he and B-Dog definitely have to fight. It says, Lord Fangatooth 
held up his fist and said, this is a game of murder, my friend, and I mean to win it or die (laughs) trying. (laughs) I imagine him having like a really like weaselly, like higher pitched voice. I'm Lord Fangatooth Claw the Render. I don't know if anybody has watched. Here's a fun poll for you. If anyone has watched Avatar The Last Airbender, I imagine King Boomy's voice. That's the voice. And if you know it, you'll know it. So those are, those are my favorite quotes. Out of nine lizard cats, what would you rate worms of Bleermouth? God. Okay, so here's, th- again, like back to the beginning of the episode. It's bizarre because this whole conversation, I've enjoyed talking about the book quite a bit. We talked about all the funny, silly things that were good. I don't know if I actually liked the book. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's really hard to say because there's, I'm I'm half and half on this. I'm like, two cats or seven cats? I can't decide. That's a wide range. Yeah, there are aspects of it that I really liked. The, the whole, behold, I'm standing on this thing. Make sure you... I think I'm going to have to take it back. I think Lord Fangatooth Claw, the render, might be my favorite character. Because everything about him was just so absolutely silly that... I just thought he was really funny and the, you know, make sure you write that down or change what I said, make it sound better. You know, like all of that. I could, I could (laughs) do a whole book series following him, I think. But thinking, I I think I have a better liking of the book in memory than I did reading the book, if that makes sense. And I think what I didn't like was how all the names got confusing and I didn't understand who was who and what was going on. And all of that. And and I felt like nothing mattered. Like there was no real story, I feel like, to the book. And what story there was, it was still kind of confusing. So I didn't like any of that. But it was so absurdly silly, silly that I did like it. So maybe I'll just split the difference and do four and a half cats. <laughs> I, I am going to say three cats. I did not really enjoy reading the book, but it has been funny to talk about. So this is the fifth book about these characters. Mm. So I think perhaps if you had already been on the B-Dog fan train. (laughs) Choo-choo. That maybe, (laughs) maybe you would have liked it more. But for me, it was, it was, like you said, so bizarre. It just felt so much like, like a fan fiction almost. Mm. Mm -hmm. It just felt weird and stuff that was in there was thrown in just to be weird. Yeah, I think you're right. And we kind of talked about this when we read The Obsidian Tower about how, oh, it's the first in a series. You know, what with the rest of this, you know, lucky us that it wasn't in the middle of the series. And here we are reading a book (laughs) that's kind of in the middle of the series. You know, there's probably a lot of references to things that we didn't get because we didn't read the other books. Yeah, I guess that's something. I mean, we could say, what do we think is, (laughs) what do we think the rest of these stories are about? We had literal jaw nipples. Who the hell knows what else is in these books? (laughs) I will say that sometimes the references to deities was kind of interesting because it made me want to know, like, who's Hood? You know, I think they reference Hood, take you, or, you know, whatever. So I'm assuming Hood is like their death deity or underworld or whatever. Then they say gods below. And then you say, like, one of the books was called, like, The Fallen. So I think, ooh, maybe that book mm-hmm. is about, you know, deities or godlike figures, mythical beings that 
yeah. you know, had these things happen to them or whatever. So I would imagine that there is a, a vast world in this Malazan universe. Apparently there was something like the ship got into a fight with another ship and then there was something that wanted to mate with the ships too. And that... <laughs> I don't know what that was. So that is probably in another book. I imagine the next time we see B-Dog and Corball, they show up in a carriage, you know? I would definitely say my guess is that there is not an overarching storyline for these books. I don't, I think it's just, what kind of caper are they going to get into this time? Yeah, very episodic, but not serial, I feel like. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, man. I I have to say, I think we found the edge of what I can tolerate with like absurdist, (laughs) you know, obviously disappointed that it wasn't vampires. I was so excited about vampires. (laughs) I mean, there is there was the undead. Yeah. And maybe there's vampires elsewhere in the series. I don't know. They're probably called something weird, though. The D&D style name for vampires. I mean, I will say the whole tabletop gaming aspect to it, it really does make the silliness contrasted with the very serious bits and all of that make a lot more sense to me. But sometimes these names don't feel all that quote unquote creative. (laughs) They feel like, (laughs) what's the stupidest thing I can think of? That's what I'm going to call this guy. Hordilo's last name is Stink. (laughs) there you go uh well there you have it everyone you want to throw out those socials yeah sure so i would really love to know what other people think of this book so you can you can get a hold of us in a lot of different ways our instagram and twitter handles are at the library game our email is librarygamepodcast at gmail.com We also have a Facebook group that you can join. It's a public Facebook group. I think you can just search for the library game and it should pop up. Growing community on there, really loving the buy-in that I guess we're getting on this podcast. All right. Well, before we go, Amy, throw us the coordinates for the next book. Sure. So our RSSB coordinates for the next book are 3, 4, 1, 14. That's Row three, section four, shelf one, book 14. And that led us to? Uh, For us, it led us to If You Can Get It by Brendan Hodge. So if you want to read along, you can go pick that up or use our coordinates to find your own book or, you know, be a rebel, pick your own numbers. (laughs) Whatever you might choose to do, we really hope you join us next time on The Library Game. Thanks.